0: Welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, the only Italian football podcast that brings you into the Serie A stadiums every week. It was another good week for us, guys. Um, I should first say, I'm Connor Clancy, and I'm joined by Vito Doria. Vito, welcome along.
2: Thanks, Connor. Good to hear from you again. And uh, it's always uh, great to, you know, talk about Serie A as we do, and also listening to all you guys you know, reporting from the game. So, yeah, looking forward to another discussion of Serie A football.
0: And also joining me is Nicholas Carroll. Nick, it's good to speak to you again.
3: Yeah, good to be here as always. uh, As Vito mentioned, it's uh, nice to see all you guys from FIF out and around at all the games. A little bit jealous to see all the videos and stuff, but um, it's good to see FIF out there. And um, I've got a huge stat for today, so just look forward to when I drop that. You're
0: going to love it. Great. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It it was another good week for us. We were accredited at seven of the ten games again this week, so we should apologise for not getting to all ten, but we'll get there some weekend, I'm sure. That's, That's the aim, is to get to all 10 of the Serie A games in any given game week. Yes, Nick, your audio is fine. Right, guys, where do you want to start with this week's then? Because I'm right, I'm going to put it out there from the, the off. I don't really want to talk about Juventus. Cristiano Ronaldo scored again. I think this is going to be a theme of the season. He's. We had our fun. We knew it wasn't going to last forever. He scored his goals last week, and now he scored again. We had our fun again in midweek when he got sent off, which was... I enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, so Juve, Vito, just insert anything you want to say about Juventus here, not specifically about this game. But
2: Well, if we're going to talk about Juventus, I'll just quickly talk about this game, simply because Ronaldo was involved in both goals. As the score suggests, they just did enough to win the game and do what's required, which is classic Juventus, especially under Max Allegri and for him to score and also be involved in the second goal, which Bernardeschi scored, which is good for Bernardeschi because he's been getting more chances this season. And yeah, it just goes to show that even if uh, Juventus aren't at full throttle, at least they've got Ronaldo who's still contributing or he's starting to contribute now after that poor start.
0: One thing I do want to say about Juve actually is, um it's just sprung to my mind. The other goal scorer was Federico Bernardeschi. Nick, he's—I'm a big critic of his, but he's doing all right this year. He, he seems like he might have developed and grown a bit over the summer.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think consistency's always been the the big thing with him. He he he's always shown the skill and ability, but he often has come on and just not shown the goods. So I think he's yeah he's really started to come along this season and. Potentially having someone like Cristiano Ronaldo possibly takes the pressure off him and maybe he, you know, he feels, uh, you know, at ease on the, uh, out wide there. And he's certainly done a better job um, out wide than the likes of a uh, quadrado or anything. So, um, yeah, he's,
0: he's really seems to be enjoying uh, this new season. All right, that'll do. Um, last season's runners-up Napoli, they... This is one of the games I was at this weekend, one of the two. They played away to Torino and won 3-1, and they were very, very impressive. It's hard to get too carried away, though, because by the time Torino had actually woken up, it was already 2-0 to Napoli, and then it was more of an even contest. But, Vito, Napoli are showing that they had depth. Will Maurizio Sarri be looking at this team and thinking, oh, I should have trusted some of those other guys to play last season, and we might have won Serie A because... Angelotti has shown he can play the likes of Marco Roque, Luperto, Simone Verdi even start and scored. Um, will Napoli fans be kicking themselves that these players weren't given more chances last season?
2: Uh, to address the first point of your question, I don't think Sadi would be too worried. Maybe in hindsight he could be, but obviously he's coaching Chelsea and, they've been doing pretty well in the Premier League, so I'm sure he's happy getting his ideas across over there. As for the Napoli fans, I do know a few on social media who would have liked to have seen some of these players gain more time under Sarri, and I do feel that the Napoli fans in general would be feeling the same way about the squad, that these players can play and that they can make an impact as well. It also goes to show the two differences in the styles because With Sarri, he always kept faith in certain players, rarely changed his first eleven, and they focused on developing that attacking style of play. Uh, Ancelotti, he's not offensive, and I wouldn't really call him conservative either, but he still has a rather old-school Italian way of doing things where there's an emphasis on game management. And I don't think Napoli had to be in full gear all the time. They knew when to strike and when to get back at Torino. And this is the good thing about Ancelotti. At least he's giving those players a chance. And because there's more tactical flexibility now, he's slowly finding ways how to fit all these extra players in and get the most out of the full squad of players.
0: Yeah, with the exception of a a spell from about the 51st to maybe the 56th minute, just before Insigne got that third and after Bellotti had pulled one back for Torino, you thought that the wheels might come off and Torino could claw something of a comeback there but other than that like you said Napoli didn't need to be at their very best for the whole 90 minutes they they flew out in the first 20 Torino were still at home in bed by the looks of it and then the game was done within 20 minutes and Napoli slowed down then before the break there was a water break halfway through the first half and then I think the heat was affecting players because basically every time the ball went out of play people were running over to get water. So I think that played a part in Napoli slowing down before half time. But then, Nick, what I was really impressed by, and I mentioned this in my post-match video and in my report over on ForteItalianFootball.com, was how fluid Napoli were in attack. Because we're used to seeing them in this 4-3-3. Ancelotti has them in a 4-2 this season. But throughout various points of this game, it was hard to work out which one of those they were playing because they'd go from 4-4-2 to 4-2-4 to 4-2-3-1 to 4 4-2-3 3 seamlessly. Insignia played everywhere. He was in central midfield at points. He was up front as the nine at points. He was out on the left at points. Ancelotti, maybe he was right to to not stick so rigidly to the four three three. And is he is he getting things exactly right at the Stadio San Paolo?
3: A hundred percent. Um I, th- I think Insigne, in particular, having him just in that roaming position around that uh, front front three is just working really well. I, I love the formation that they came up with last night with Verdi, um, as as you mentioned out there. It, I thought it re- worked really well. It just there's so much attacking talent there, and you know, possibly almost too much attacking talent. But um, with those three, with Insigne, Callahan, and uh, Verdi. All as attacking dangers, and then you've got just Insigne roaming around. That that makes it so hard for a for a team to defend because there's so much unpredictability there. So um, I, I think he's really hit it there, and with the in kind of in a four two three one with a with as as I said, Insigne roaming. I think it's working really well. Um, the defense is strong. The midfield's starting to work and as you mentioned Connor, the big thing there is that he's able to interchange and sub those, have a rotation going on in that defensive midfield positions with uh, Rog having a rare start, which I thought was good. He wasn't overly impressive but he did enough to, to get the job done um, in partnering with Hamsik. So when, when you've got the ability to rest uh, Alain um, you know, it's you're in a good position and as you said, look, I mean, they, I think they really just turned off for a bits in the game. The heat would have, as you said, uh, affected it, but uh, things are really ticking. So uh, we're only five matches in, so I think uh, anyone that was, you know, dreading this post-Sari era, um, you know, I think there's a lot of positives. So still very early on, and they're looking good already.
0: Yeah, it, it really does look good. You mentioned it, senior, I do want to talk about him with a bit of an Italy perspective and a little bit. But Marco Rog was one of the first names that jumped out at me when I looked at the team sheet. I was thinking, whoa, that's not right. But then I didn't actually think about him once until I saw he was coming off. And then I thought, oh, yeah, he's he's been playing. And the fact that I didn't actually notice him suggests that he just slotted in so seamlessly. Everything kept going as it otherwise would. And then when Alan came on, you just know, okay, here comes the big dog now. He's absolutely brilliant I love him and it was it was great for him to get a rest because he is he's a tireless player he he puts in the ground every single week so if they can rest players like him especially with this midweek round coming up as well that they need to take those opportunities I don't have it down but Vito Simone Verdi got his first Napoli goal um, he played okay he seemed to interchange quite well he looked comfortable in all of the positions that he, he turned up in what, what are you smirking about <laughs> I'm waiting for the big butt. No, 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 no. I just, I just want on. to see. Okay, okay. Because, I don't know. Vardy's not obviously been the most convincing of players throughout his career because he's not young anymore. He's about, what, 27? And he's he's got his move now, but can he kick on? Can he... Is it feasible for him to become a regular starter in this Napoli team, Vito?
2: At the moment, I'm going to say no because the trust will still be... In in Insigne, Mertens, and to a lesser degree, Milik. So accommodating Verdi will be tough. And, of course, you've got to look at Cajon and Zielinski. Those are guys that are going to feature often, and Zielinski didn't even start. He came on as a sub. Verdi, I think, will be more or less an impact player, and he might find more time in games against perhaps small opposition or maybe in the Coppa Italia, but I don't think he's going to be one of those established players unless he can score with greater consistency or if he can produce some of those fantastic free kicks like he used to at Bologna.
0: Nick, you look like you disagreed there when Vito first spoke. Do you want to jump in on that?
3: No, no, I'm just, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you the one that was calling for Verdi in January that, he needed to go to Napoli. Connor was. Is that you? Me, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. I, I, so I, you seem you seem like you've kind of changed.
0: No, no, you've no. My, argu- my argument at the time was it was a poor reflection on Verdi's personality and his his drive as a professional footballer that he didn't back himself to go then and compete for a scudetto and fight for a place in a starting eleven of a team who was competing for a title. I stand by that. I know he's gone there now, but I think I just I can't help but think what could have been. I know he probably wouldn't have played under Sari, but we saw how tired Mertens was by the end of that season. Millick mm. is a completely different option. Verdi is someone a little bit more similar to Mertens' style. And yeah, I was I was massively disappointed in Simone Verdi as on a personal level, more so than his ability as a footballer, you know. Um, but yeah I stand by everything I said in January to be honest and he's there now so he's kind of he's, he's half silenced that argument but I still don't quite trust him um, Nick right I'm going to throw it to you Marek looked all right in in a a deep line too and midfield, not really a deep line but he wasn't the anchor man. just to have Marco Rog and then later Alain beside him was it worked because it gave him that that freedom to join in and attack when he wanted to, he could roam a little bit more. He had a bit more freedom. And this is something that could work for an going forward.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, we were saying if, a couple of weeks ago that um, rather than having him center to that, a midfield three, it might be better to have him in a deep uh, midfield two. And as we saw, as you, as you mentioned uh, in last well, for me, last night's game, um, he, he did have the opportunity every now and then to run forward and got a couple shots on, um, I believe. So, um, I think this, if they are going to persist with Hamsik, which you know I think they potentially should. Um, I mean, he's just you know we've spoken many times, many years about his quality. Um, you know, then I think that's that's the way forward to to fit him into the team, and then potentially Alan seems like the the, you know the partner to that but then then you've also got w- what happens to zelinski so it's um it, it's still a bit of a conundrum for Ancelotti but it does show on the other hand that he has a lot of options and a lot of depth so you know it's while it's a bit hard to figure out I think it also shows that there's a lot of positives to this squad as a whole
0: yeah well Ancelotti actually said that it's- post-match press conference, he was giving out almost about not knowing what eleven to choose because he has so many talented players and
1: hmm.
0: I, I don't know, whenever I see Ancelotti make changes, I just think, sorry, you could have done it. You could have made these changes. You should have just trusted beyond your starting eleven, but there's no point getting caught up on that now. Vito, I'm gonna bring you back in on the Lorenzo and Senior chat because moving away from Napoli I want to talk about briefly Italy need a player like Lorenzo Insigne. And should Roberto Mancini look to kind of mould this side around him? Because he is in great form at the moment. And when you break it down, he's probably the most talented creative player that Italy have.
2: I do believe that he is the most talented player at the moment and probably the one most likely to make some sort of a difference. But without uh, changing this into too much of an Azzurri discussion... As good as Insignia is, he has looked rather inconsistent with the Azzurri, but I think there are much deeper issues regarding the national team and the Italian Federation, which might impact on the squad in general, so that won't help the situation. And also, I'm not completely sold on Mancini as a coach. He seems to experiment too much, and one of the problems is the midfield. Um, There are people that say that Italy doesn't have uh, world-class players or there's no talent coming through. I believe there's raw talent and potential players, even though there's not world-class players, but one particular part where Italy's struggling is the midfield. And if we're if the Zura are relying just on Jorginho to be a playmaker, and it goes to show Italy needs to develop more players in that role because it's guys like Jorginho and the other midfielders that allow Insigne to thrive. And for um, the other forwards like Chiesa, Bellotti, Bernadeschi, and so forth to... Do something they can't do the work themselves. And as the old saying goes, the ball is uh, the game is won in midfield. So uh, it's great to have Insigne there, and if Mancini can build around team around him, fantastic. But um, first, they got to sort out the midfield first.
0: Yeah, well, Mancini was at the Marassi the other night for Sampdoria Fiorentini He was sitting like two rows in front of me, and. He seemed pretty impressed by what Federico Chiesa was getting up to. He a few smiles whenever Chiesa did something, and that was the only emotion we saw out of him. So maybe Chiesa is another one who could come into the team. Quick mention for Andrea Bellotti. His penalty today was his 50th goal in Serie A. a pretty impressive achievement, um, considering the poor season he had last year with all of his injuries and never quite getting back to fitness. So it was nice to see him get going again. Right, I want to get this out of the way. Samp nil, Inter 1. Vito your home bubble has burst.
2: Yes it has and it was a lot worse last season when it was a 5-0 defeat and I was hammering Edgar Barreto on that podcast. You're not allowed to do that this week Vito because we're going to give him no. praise. <laughs> no, he's actually he's actually been playing well the last few games but if I had to hammer someone it's Gaston Ramirez because Ricardo Saponara and Gianluca Caprari have been injured, but he's not taking his chances. The guy's got talent, but I feel like the Middlesbrough and Hull fans at the moment is a very frustrating player. And when you have that talent, you've got to make the most of it. I reckon this is why number 10s are frowned upon these days, especially by coaches who are so rigid about their tactics, because when number 10s are off the game, they are useless. And Ramirez was rubbish. At least Saponara takes man on, plays top passes. Caprari, last two games he's played in, he scored some fantastic goals. Ramirez, he thought he had a nice six months last year and he he probably went to his head and now he's hardly doing anything. He's got to make the most of his time because if Saponara and Caprari are back to full fitness, he wouldn't be my third option as a number 10. I'd even put Dennis Pratt back in that role because he used to play there at Andalect. I'm really frustrated. And I see players with talent don't make the most of it. And that's uh, that's not good because in this four three one two, 3 one 2 the is valuable. And when a player like Ramirez is down, it just means Giampolo's plans pretty much go to rubbish. and just fall flat.
0: Yeah, I think Caprari is more interchangeable when he plays behind Ferrell and Qualiorella as well. He he really impressed me and that front three actually really impressed me they only scored one goal but the fluidity of their movements and how they always just seemed to know where at least one of the others were it was it was impressive it was a really good game to watch that we might get into that a little bit later depending on time because I do want to talk about it
2: some Fiorentina
0: yeah 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 because it's since we last spoke um, Nick epic brazo came up when it mattered Before that, this game was absolutely chaotic. There were what seventeen disallowed goals or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, I stopped counting. And, um, by that time, I had triple O on standby just in case. Um, oh god, roller coaster!
0: Is that yeah, a record um, that I should get? A what? What's triple O? Oh, sh- sugar. Don't? Yes, we're on the radio now. Hello, everyone out in Australia. <laughs> um, well, actually, it's, it's,
3: fitting. it's fitting because Australian radio, they would know exactly what I'm talking about because that's our emergency number. So police, ambulance, fire, that's your number. So there's education, FIF. We're, we're teaching and we're analysing. All
0: right. Well, now um, I know. We, should actually we're talking about. we are now on Australian radio. <laughs> FNR Radio, Football Nation Radio, I think it is, Vito Doria? Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Uh, Tell the
0: listeners, while we're on that, tell the listeners in Australia if they want to listen to us again, where they can listen to us and when.
2: Well, for the listeners in Australia, they can listen to us on uh, FNR, which is Football Nation Radio. It is Australia's first 24-hour digital radio station dedicated to soccer or football. And... The the content that's uh, going to be on is that there are going to be certain podcasts that focus on certain leagues and certain uh, football nations. So as the Serie A and Italian content will be on from 5 to 6pm on uh, Monday afternoon Australian time. So if you're not listening to us right now, have another listen then or tell people to listen to us then because it's very insightful, if I may say so myself <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: beautiful stuff it's
0: kind of a case of preaching to the choir, qu- yeah. there i guess nick talk about brozovic all right his, it's you slagged off his hair and he scored with it well he didn't score with his hair but he, he scored with that <laughs> hairstyle he with hair. he, well he has the yeah. hairstyle and he scored so he scored with that hairstyle
3: i, I think i have a, a bit of a controversial viewpoint of this game in terms of brozovic and kondrova um because i thought if you take away that goal from brozovic i don't know i, I didn't he didn't do it for me
0: right that hang, much. On, hang um, on, particularly... why are you bringing up kondreva are you just trying to have a go with him again
3: I, i'm i bring the reason i say kondreva is because when i was doing the rounds of all the player ratings after this match that both brozovic and kondreva were two of the highest players and i thought kondreva was just producing rubbish as always on out from out wide. And I thought Brozovic for 80 minutes of that match was just, look, he's again, he, he does the, he does the, you know, the passing and all that, but he's, he's not doing anything with quality. And I just thought he was not there. He, he wasn't, quality that Inter needs him to be in that defensive role. He gets dispossessed more than anyone. Um, Granted, he gets more touches than anyone, but he shouldn't be getting dispossessed that much, that many times. Um, So I think you take that goal away from Brozovic and great goal. I'm not saying, you know, very thankful, but he's still not really doing it for me. Um, Nangalan wasn't doing it for me. He also scored a great goal, which was disallowed, um, thanks to VAR, which we can possibly talk about. But, um, yeah, I'm, look, it's, it's a great win. I thought in terms of Inter dominated, I, I, I wasn't really worried too much about Sam's attack other than maybe the last 10 minutes. Um, so I thought it was quite safe, which has been rare for Inter. Usually we give away some ridiculous chances. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just... There's still a lot of work to be done for me. Um, Brozovic needs to step up his game for me. Nangalan still clearly needs to find himself. They need to find a way to get Icardi involved in a match because you can see his quality and he's looking for it. He's desperate to get the ball. Like he, he made this diving header and almost made a goal from it, which and it was a it wasn't a good cross. Um and then we've got Kondreva just wasting chances from out wide. And I'm pretty sure that when he put that when he hit the post i i'm not convinced that he was actually trying to shoot i reckon that might have been a cross anyway oh
0: so. come on poor antonio. i'm not giving it to He's him been good i'm this not giving season. it to him sorry it's been, been good he was he was very good against palma and he was good against sampdoria you just hate antonio hendro <sighs> he he
3: was good for one half um against Parma. and he had he had look he he, he put in how many crosses do you think he put in yesterday?
0: Is this your amazing start?
3: No, it isn't actually. It's, I've got an even better start. This is just this is just child. I don't know. Tell but me, tw- 12, 12 crosses he put in. He's, He's trying he to registered. get a involved in the game. Could, isn't he? Twelve twelve crosses, but think how many of those crosses. Can you remember actually landing or finding someone in the box?
0: You're the one with the stats. So I can, I can think loaded. of
3: one. I can. No, this isn't a stat. This is just observation. I can think of one, which it was good, and I think Vecino got on the end of it. But I can think of one of 12. One out of 12 is not good enough for, for this team.
0: Is that not and because it, the players in the box were in the wrong position?
3: Okay, did you see what he was doing with the ball? <laughs> they they weren't getting into good positions. Some of them went behind the goal. I mean, do you want the players out there? Anyway.
0: Um, um, distracted i, I
2: from a volley.
3: Let, let, let me just say that I will say that I would I think Politano's impressed much more than Kondreva. Politano has been, and, and I'm kind of annoyed that he gets pulled off first. Well, he did have a knock uh, against Sam, so... Can give um, give him that, but I think Champions League as um, well. I think he said
0: he was tired, didn't he, after the Champions League game?
3: Yeah, yeah, but I think he's been the most dangerous in that position, Um, even more so than Perisic. I think Perisic is still kind of getting back his, you know, still possibly a little bit fatigued, so getting easing back into it. But um, yeah, into one. There you go
0: um okay should I be it's, more happy
3: I don't know no it's fine you? <laughs> I mean you're still I mean I
0: think can... do you want me to keep talking no nah, I'm gonna throw it over to Vito because Aaron Holland has been... <laughs> we, we have to be we, we slaughtered Aaron Holland's two loves in Roma and Mattia Destro last week and we're gonna have to do the same with one of those this week um so he's asked a question so you might So I get to it Aaron wants to know Vito Tottenham and now this Inter are making a late late wins a thing is this something that they can build on the mentality was the problem for so long you don't win in the last minute twice in a row especially once coming from behind if your mentality isn't right
2: yeah that's that's true what they've shown against Sump and against spurs is that they can get the late wins and that's very important when you're not playing well especially for big sides Inter do need to continue in this way, but expecting them to do it is another thing altogether. Unfortunately, Inter are one of those clubs which has this tendency to do well and then sometimes that mentality just weakens or falls to pieces. So hopefully for the Nerazzurri fans' sake, they can build upon this as well as Spalletti because he's popped more than his share of criticism, even just on our live feed. So it would be good for Spalletti to get the wins on the board. And even if they aren't the so-called anti-Juwe or that challenger to Juwe, at least if they can compete for a Champions League spot, that would be something.
0: Nick, your good old friends across the city in red and black, AC Milan, they, they threw away two leads today and... They went from 1-0 to 1-0, 2-1 to 2 all against Atalanta. Um, and this isn't an Atalanta side who have been all that impressive this year. Milan have just five points from the 12 available to them so far this season. And if it wasn't for Higuain, they'd probably be a lot worse off because he got the opener today. He got the goal against... Remind me, who did he score against? It's gone from my head. Cagliari. There you go. And he was the assist maker in their win over Roma as well.
1: Burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: There are causes for concern here, no?
3: Yeah, you could say that. I mean, I don't want to go too early on it, but it's um, already, given that Higuain's just come into that team, for someone to come in brand new to a fairly established team from last season, I mean, there's only a couple differences. Um, for them to already be so reliant on him, um, and not only in finishing, in actually helping in the build-up play, that's that there is a red flag there already. Um, obviously, his quality, and we spoke about, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, about how well Higuain has solided in, but. Um, you know as you kind of referred to he's, he's been involved in a lot of crucial goals and beyond that you're just not sure if they're they're creating enough um, given you know there were a couple of opportunities that they probably should have taken uh, against Atalanta I think uh, Frank Kessie missed a couple couple relatively uh, easy ones so you know they obviously need to take those opportunities but um, yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure it's it's a weird thing. I, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative in that Higuain's fit in really well, but after five games, how this established team has become reliant on him is a concern already. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how concerning it is just yet.
0: You're, you're speaking as someone who knows how concerning it is when your team is over reliant on their number nine, who is Argentinian as well. So, but the see, nice but, symmetry of that yeah. actually go on.
3: The, the the main difference is what I kind of alluded to was that Icardi a lot of the times he he doesn't get the touches and you know he has to really work to to find the ball where um, so it, it is almost almost exclusively just for that finishing touch that's all they're seeking from Icardi where Higuain's become really built into that build up play in the final third already and that's that's the the kind of the key and when he needs to go back and get the ball he needs that support so he, he's He's more involved in the in in their overall attacking play, so it's it's reliant in in build up in creating and it's reliant in finishing. So that to me, it, the, he needs someone else to kind of feed off.
0: You'd wonder if that's actually the plan though, because he was great today, but souza has been poor for a while. Maybe Iguain's just getting frustrated and he's dropping deep because against Roma he he was in his own box defending at times because he was getting frustrated. And- you, don't, you want Iguain to go in there and just be the guy who finishes off the chances because he will do that all day long and he'll get 25, 30 goals a season with his eyes closed. But if you're expecting him to have to track back and work, which he is willing to do, he often gets criticised for not doing that, which I, I've never thought is true because he he does. He does the defensive work, but you, you don't want him doing that, especially this Milan team. They shouldn't need Iguain their number nine who they brought in just to score goals, to be doing that. Um, Abdul says Milan's defence is a bigger worry, Vito, for him than their offensive part. He says the team can't defend when they're pressed. I know he was injured today, but when's Mattia Caldara going to get a run
2: there? Hmm. Well, I read in one quote that he's still getting used to the Ideal playing of a back, in a back four because when he played under Gasperini Atalanta, he was used to playing in the back three. So that's probably his uh, issue or the I thing that, that he needs to rectify.
0: I saw those quotes as well, and I'm not sure I entirely believed them because this is a guy who developed an amazing defensive partnership with none other than Alessio Romagnoli playing in a back four for Italy's underage. sides so in front of Gigi Donnarumma. So he's literally doing the same thing, just wearing a different color shirt. I think that was just a company line that he was feeding out more than anything else. Because this this guy's ready. He's mm. We've seen it with Atalanta. and They didn't always defend with three because one of them would go wandering. He's a brilliant defender who Juve had signed and brought this summer because he was ready to play for a a top club and then Benucci became available so they got him back and Cardaro was shoved off the Milan and now he's not getting a look in there it's it's maddening to see him not getting a game somewhere because the guy is gifted and
2: he should be playing every week mm. I reckon he should, I think uh, that he should be good enough to adapt to back four so I'd like to see him utilise it and especially if he's compared to, say, Matias Musacchio. Um, Musacchio is one of those guys who's good at playing the ball out of defence, but defensively I think he's lacking something. And also Caldaro will be handy because if we're going to talk about particular incidents in this game, I just thought that the equaliser score from Papu Gomez should have been defended better by Davide Calabria, who was not able to intercept, I think it was Duvin Zapata's cross for the goal low cost, but yeah, it was poor defending on him, and I think he, although Gomez is a good player, I think Colombia should have done much better in that situation.
0: Agreed. Right. I, I never thought I was going to have to say this, guys, but we've, people are giving out to us for not talking enough about Atalanta, and if you remember, the last <laughs> the, the last what? How long am I doing this? Two years. I'm hosting this over two years, and I've been writing for Fif for five years. How often do I get given out to for talking about Atalanta too much? And now we talk about them a little bit less because they're not doing too well, and they're not doing badly enough for it to be a talking point. And we don't talk about them enough. We got tweeted. We got it in the comments here. I think there was a couple of tweets as well as the comments. I don't know how to win, to be honest. Um, but he's he's right. falling apart. He's losing it. Are we allowed? Have I, oh my God, have I got the green light to do this? Yeah,
2: I'll give you the green
0: light. Oh, thanks, Vito. I'll throw this question to you then. Do you think Gasparini <laughs> has reached his limits with Atalanta? I'm giving it to you because I don't want to address the ridiculous nature of the question. And do the players still buy into the philosophy or is it early in the season Or is it the early start to the season that has affected the team? Do you want to take this?
2: Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you. I do believe that... You're welcome. I do believe that the early start has not helped them because they were on fire in the Europa League qualifiers, but in saying that the opposition is not the greatest. Having said that, though, I do believe that the loss to Copenhagen would have been a real dent in their confidence, because they were playing so well, then Copenhagen parked the bus in both legs. And to think that they've got to just focus on Serie a, I'm sure for the squad that would have been not good for their belief and their self esteem. Going forward, I did read that Gasparini did get a contract extension. So I think that's good for him. And do I think he's reached the limit with this squad? Put it this way. Atalanta changes squad every year. So he's got to accept that the squad's constantly changing. And Atalanta has got one of the best youth academies in Italy, if not the best. So I think he's just got to accept the way Atalanta works, how much finances they have. And they can't realistically build for the Europa League or the Champions League. He's got to work with what they got. And, if he can just produce more young players because they do have them, if he can just nurture them properly like he has in the last two years while still having those experienced guys like Papu Gomez, Zapata, and then you've got Marcielo, a couple others, if they're there to nurture the kids, then there's still going to be a competitive side. And that's what Atalanta's really got to look at. They're not, uh, you know, I would like to see them do a less than actually win their first Serie A title, but... Uh, dreams are one thing and reality is another. So, uh, I think it's just a matter of you know one game at a time, and maybe now they're struggling, but perhaps with the season as it progresses, maybe they can push for a European spot again.
0: But yeah, I, I, think I think to
2: disregard him, it's I think it would be wrong for Gasparini to leave or even for the club to sack him.
0: Well, I'll I'll take you back a couple of seasons when Atalanta. Five games into the season were on, I think, three points. Gasparini's first season. Gasparini had a meeting with Antonio Percassi and he was about to get sacked and he said no. They gave him another chance because Gasparini said, look, trust me, I want to play the kids. I want to play this way. So they changed to Gasparini's way. They finished the season on 72 points in fourth place and their previous points record in Serie A was 52 we're five games into the season people need to calm down they've drawn with Roma they've drawn with Milan they've suffered the disappointment of getting knocked out on penalties in the Europa League they were beaten by Cagliari who they often struggle against they were beaten by an impressive SPAL team with a load of ex-players trying to prove a point particularly Andrea Batani, who got the goals Ilicic has been injured he's only just coming back Gomez has been good um Zapata hasn't quite found his feet Barrow is exciting but he can't be relied upon every week because he's still a kid I think he's 17 as you said Vito the, the team changes every year I, I, I don't know what pe- people are expecting miracles if Atalanta are supposed to be fourth at the moment because they're not they never start well come back in February Atalanta are going to be just fine they've got a squad that was built to compete in Europe and in Serie A They've still got that squad. We saw it today. Rigoni scored. He scored two against Roma. He's probably not even in their first 11 when Ilichich Gomez are fit playing behind Zapata. They've got a player of that quality. Come on. Oh, I don't know what else to say. Nick, can you save me here? Because I'm drowning a bit.
3: <laughs> uh, it's just so nice to see you just so riled up and the emotion just oozing out in your cute little Irish accent beautiful but no I, agree with you. I, I, I really can't I really can't add anything more to what both Vito and you said um I think Gasparini has shown time and time again that it, it, you know he has the ability to build and develop each squad which is usually a different squad each season as you guys have said and yeah I mean it's it's not that bad I don't think I mean they're on the same points as Roma and AC Milan at the moment they're and Torino. So not that those teams are going great, but the point being, look, you know, we see it every season. There's always a few teams. It takes a while for them to get going added to who they've actually played those two draws against solid opposition, um, disappointment. You know, it's very easy to get um, to lose motivation and just get down about things. So, they get a win, they get that confidence back, and that changes everything. So it's still very much early days, but there's no concern in terms of Atalanta being relegation threatened or any ridiculous notions like that. They, I, I, I think they'll easily get back into that uh, top half of the table.
0: Yeah, well, at the very least, they're going to be challenging for Europe again yeah. this season. And the way it's shaping up, you wouldn't be surprised if. Right, I'm not saying that they're going to do this, but someone... Here we go. Here someone, we go. <laughs> <laughs> someone was <laughs> a question last week. Could Atalanta Sam Fiorentina challenge for the Champions League? And on the surface of it, that is a, a nonsensical thing to say. But as you said, they're on the same points as Milan and Roma at the moment. That, the bar to get into the Champions League could be lower than it usually is this season, because it doesn't look like anyone is actually good. You'd imagine you locked in inter locked in napoli looked like they're sorted as oh, well thanks um yeah well like i don't think it's a that much of a compliment to you guys as it is in the say, rest of them did you just say napoli locked in yeah yeah yeah. because everyone else is terrible like the way things stand at the moment i'm not saying that they will but the way things stand at the moment that is how it's looking still only five games. So
3: are you You're conceding you were wrong at the start of the season.
0: No, I'll concede I was wrong when Napoli finished in the top four in May, but until then, I stand by what I said. (laughs) No, honestly, um, Abdul wants to know, are Milan still on my top four predictions? I think so. They've got Gonzalo Higuain. That should be enough. Um, He is the difference. He's proven to be the difference in the Europa League and pretty much all of the games he's played this season. But right, what I was saying. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Fiorentina, Atalanta or Sampdoria were close to qualifying for the Champions League this season because the bar looks like it's going to be lower. And Atalanta did literally finish in fourth place two years ago. So it's not impossible. Uh, right. <laughs> okay, guys. It's, it's time to lighten the mood because the worst team in Serie A this season have, without any question, <laughs> well, right, Aside from Frozen Army, maybe. Bologna. If there was ever a team that you wanted to play to get out of a crisis, it's Bologna. Just give me those three points. Roll over, we'll give you a little rub on your bellies and you can go back and eat your nice food in Bologna. But Roma. Roma, Roma. They're just living up to their reputation. Roma, Roma. Because not only did they lose, they conceded two goals against a team who previously hadn't scored all season. And they even let that big, useless lump Santander score. Nick, (laughs) what on earth happened here? Because I'll confess, I missed this game. Um, I was running for a train in Turin after the Torino game this morning. And I, I checked on Twitter and said, wait, Bologna have actually scored a goal. And then they scored another. Did you
3: just say, did you just describe Santander as a big useless lump, just to clarify? Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right. It is, mate. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you uh, describe this? I mean, you could break down the stats of this match very easily. Um, and you would think Rome has won it four
0: Neil. Possibly. There's only one um, that
3: matters, no isn't there? But no, no, but, but that's the thing. When you actually when you look at the match, how it actually played out, it could have actually gone the other way uh, very easily 4 0, because uh, Bologna just created um, some chances and actually made Roma look poor, uh, particularly on the counter a number of times. Um, you know, Roma absolutely dominated possession, something they've struggled with this season. Um, they let in a lot of shots this season so far. They didn't let in as many as they usually have. Um, so all the stats were a lot better for Roma, but the result was not there at all. Um, it started off with that a, a great goal from Mattiello uh, coming back onto his left and curling it around the keeper. And then, uh, yeah, on the counter, the, the, the useless lump, as you uh, referred to, um, was put clear in through and uh, finished it off. So not so useless He's terrible. Uh, against, He's awful. Against Roma. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Vito,
0: you probably uh, have some more insight into this. Just before you jump in, Vito, I want to get to a comment. Um, frozenone held Juve for 80-plus minutes, though. Are they really that bad? Well, they still lost 2-0. And... They have picked up fewer points than anyone else in Serie A this season. The only reason they're not bottom was Kiev, because Kieva got the points deduction. They've conceded 12 goals in five games, so yes, they really are that bad. Anyway, Vito, continue.
2: Roma dominated possession, but as the saying goes, possession is futile. They did take a lot of shots, but uh, Lukas Korupski, who was owned by Roma, um, he had probably one of his best ever games, if not his best game, he was sensational in goal and made some great saves, especially a double save from Federico Fazio in the second half. So no, actually he might've been the first, anyway, uh, first half, sorry, but it was uh, near the end of the first half and Skorupski, it just seemed like he could not uh, concede anything. He was really on the ball there. As for the rest of the Bologna side, Bologna just defended in numbers, but the suspension of Eric Pulga, I think is beneficial because uh, he's just a defensive midfielder, but he was sent off last week and they brought in the Hungarian international, Adam Nagy in in midfield. He played in the center and then Ladislav Krejci, the Czech winger played on the left instead of the Dutch guy they bought, uh, Dyke. So I think that helped. And Blair and Jamali worked very hard in midfield. So, most of the time they were just soaking up the pressure and they managed to counter attack a lot better than what they did in previous games. So it was surprising to see Santander take that goal was well taken for the second. And um, there was another guy, his name was Orgy that scored, Well, he should have scored two goals, but he was happy being a hero and he ended up missing them. So it could have been four nil to Bologna. Uh, one more thing, though, is, as Nick pointed out, Mattiello got the first goal, and it was a great shot by him. And I'm really happy for him because he had a couple of serious leg injuries, and it seemed like he wasn't going to have a decent CBR career. But hopefully this is the catalyst for a brighter, and more positive future, and hopefully those injury woes are gone for good because that was an absolutely fantastic strike, and it's a great way for a player and also for a team to break the duck It was fabulous.
0: I, I, it's been pointed out. I, I was about to raise the point as well. Scott says, skrubsky was brilliant a couple of years ago when he was at Ampoli as well. I don't know why Elmer didn't keep hold of him, especially when Alisson left. It's like, there's a void there you need filling. You've got a good guy. Don't get rid of him again. But oh, I, I don't know. It, do we have to talk about Roma again? Because we went in on them last week. But Nick, what? Because if you lose to Bologna, all right, we've given Bologna a bit of credit, but you need to be put under the knife. Um, James Palotta said he was disgusted after the game, which is quite a funny thing to say publicly. But yeah, oh my god, I, I can't help. Di Francesco is going to get sacked, and it's not really going to be his fault. Yeah, uh
3: I don't know I mean, we spoke about the whole coaching situation in De Francesca last week and I was quite I defended all the coaches pretty much we mentioned, possibly with the exception of Pilippo and Zaghi. Um but uh no, I, I mean staying with you, I don't think he deserves anything like that. I think um I think the players need to take some kind of responsibility from these kind of matches because similarly to, similarly to Inter against Parma, uh, irrespective of anything, there is enough talent in that Roma squad or that starting eleven to to get the result against that Bologna team. That's full stop. Again, that's you can't argue with that. So uh, obviously, Di Francesco needs to work with that team and possibly. Um, a couple of these players need to be, you know, shown that possibly benched and shown that, you know, the complacency isn't going to do it in this team because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if mentality, we spoke, we've spoken a lot about mentality with Inter and Roma last week and it's possibly still an issue um, with Roma this week. So, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Di Francesco. I don't think he should you know he he needs to obviously take some part of the blame and needs to look forward as to how he's going to manage these players is going to be key for me the talent is there it's putting it together and making sure that they're motivated against uh, against an Inter Milan Juventus or a Bologna or a Frosinone so that's going to be the key for them there's enough talent there for them to turn it around
0: nick i'll cut you off because the derby is next week next weekend and i knowing that was absolutely Fearing for Di Francesco because I thought he might get the chop before that, but they've got Frozenone in midweek, so they'll be fine. They'll put six pass them, and it'll be sorted. If if Frozenone beat Roma, though, I think that could be Di Francesco done.
3: Yeah, I mean, one another saving grace might be you can argue the whole Champions League tired, fatigued, maybe yeah, that,
0: that went don't well know, as well, didn't you know, it? Champions League,
3: yeah. Well, I mean. Can, it it's hard to hold that against them um but you know i mean it's at the same time it's hard to take a 3-0 loss like that it's it's not necessarily going to boost your confidence is it so you know potentially it's a, it's again something that's negatively affecting that mentality so similar to the atalanta maybe they just need that one big win against maybe a frozenone that could get them back on track but can i drop my stat because i think it's relevant sure to frozen to frozen because you know maybe maybe we have some frozen fans out there we don't and they're thinking they're thinking you know look i mean i'm sure other teams do it you know this far into the season haven't scored well no it is that bad actually because i looked so the last time actually have a guess when do you think the last time a team hadn't scored after five matches we have
0: not got time for this this week (laughs)
3: <laughs> have a guess. Have a guess. Have a guess. After
0: five matches, du, 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 du,
3: du, du. 1942. Oh, okay,
0: that's just ridiculous. It's a long time.
3: <laughs> well, no, it, well, it's 98 99, and it was Venezia. And they were, had also just got one draw. So 20 years it's been since the last team um, failed to score at this point of the season. And the last time before that, because I kept going, was 87 88, and it was Cesena. So there All
0: you right. go, but two um, draws. Okay, uh, right. We need to move quickly through. Eric wants us to talk about <laughs> VAR. Um, we're not talking about VAR this week. We literally don't have time. But it's a mess again because they changed the rules over the summer. Sorry, I had just got it right. They, it was a mess until October last year. Then it was perfect. So they decided to change it to keep things interesting and make everyone not know what's happening anymore. But we'll talk about that next week if you want to see um Fiorentina briefly I wanted to go in more depth on Fiorentina but we really don't have time we need to cut this short soon enough but they beat Spal 3 now on the face of it that's not that an impressive result but Spal were what second before this game Vito Fiorentina are good this year they they really have finally clicked They're, they're the youngest squad in Europe's top five leagues and At the moment, it's working. You would wonder maybe when things start to go wrong, as they inevitably will over the course of a season, have they got the characters in that team to put them back on track?
2: Characters, perhaps. Experienced characters, that's what I'm concerned about. It's a very young team, as you just mentioned, and that's where I think they're really missing someone like the later story body who... He was 31 when he tragically passed away. So the rest of the team hasn't got someone in the early 30s that's actually got talent and has experience. So it's up to guys like Federico Chiesa and Giovanni Simeone to show maturity beyond the years, which I do think they have. And if they can uh, keep persisting and replicating their form, they might still be all right. But it also shows that those two youngsters – the exceptional lads and I think they can uh, go very far in their careers so uh, that might be the difference they're not your average 22 or 23 year olds
0: yeah let's hope like it's hard it is actually it's impossible to not love Federico Chiesa he is an absolute joy you don't really see players like him anymore he's direct he, he just mm. goes for it every single time but not stupidly, either. He's got technical ability as well, which is good. Um, Aaron, I'm not reading that out. We have to keep things PG now. Um, oh, Eric, Nick is going to do a video on VAR, so keep an eye on this very YouTube channel for that. We had Vieric out at this, and he was understandably happy with Fiorentina's performance. He pointed out when Chiesa got his goal, his brother, who also plays in the Fiorentina youth teams, ran over... or. He, Chiesa ran over to his brother who was a ball boy on the day which is quite nice nice little family affair going on there because oh, Diego Simeone was there watching earlier in the season so yeah it would be nice to see Fiorentina do well given what they went through last year but guys I think right briefly Nick Lazio smashed Genoa uh, firstly Christophe Piontek has scored in every game he's played in this season the guy is insane but we've Go back and listen to me talk about him last week and the week before and the week before if you want to do that. Lazio. Roma would be fearing the derby in this form in any case, but Lazio are on it.
3: Yeah. um, I mean, to be honest, yeah, what is it, three in a row now they picked up? So it was a slow start for Lazio, but it seems like they've um, picked up their form now, so they're definitely coming into it as the the better team, let's say. But I don't know, these these derbies, they really can throw up something just completely away from how, how teams are going. So that's why I think it's it's a big, this that match is a big one for Di Francesco and that squad because they need to show that they can actually turn up, show the mentality, show the fight, the, the desire to actually want these kind of games. If they can show that against Lazio, even if they don't necessarily win, if they can turn up and, and fight for them, for, for the win i think that would that would go a long way to to securing di francesco's job but also to to building some confidence in moving forward so um I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to the match because i think it's a it's a great opportunity for both teams really
0: um aaron holland wants to know how many games are FIF going to in the midweek round sadly the midweek round is difficult so just two games will be covered inside the stadiums midweek but we're back on it at the weekend. We'll have at least six games covered. I'm going to two on one day. So that will be fun. And that's a Sunday. I'm That's just clicking there. I'm at two games before the podcast on a Sunday. I'm going to be dead coming on here. So it's your fault, listeners. We do it all for you. Vito, you wanted to talk briefly about another manager's son in Di Francesco at Sassuolo.
2: Yes, we wanted to talk about Federico Di Francesco. Um, who plays for Sassuolo and the Nero Verde won 3-1 against Ampli and he was a big reason for that victory. After seeing the incident last week with Douglas Costa and what he went through there, then he was accused for possibly racially abusing Douglas Costa, which I think is a bit sad that you've got to fabricate things or push a narrative, which is a shame. But... Uh, I think with this performance he showed that uh, he can sort of brush it aside and after being the victim of Costa's despicable behaviour last week, he showed that he's actually got some ability to play football and he provided two goals, including one for Kevin Prince-Boateng, who seems to have some sort of career renaissance, and then he got the third goal, which was... uh, which is sort of controversially stood because some angles suggest the boom might had gone out earlier, but I think it was an excellent back kill on his part. So I'm really happy that he's been involved in his team's play and that he was the difference maker for the Nero Verdi this weekend.
0: I think that's going to be a good fit there. Um, and I've been wrong about a lot of my preseason predictions, so I'm going to double down on this one. I, I tipped Sassuolo as being my team to watch for the season, so... I'm standing by that one. I'm quite so proud of Good, yeah. The prince as well. I love him because he's just decided to have like an alternative career since it didn't quite work from at the top level. He was he smashed it with La, Las Palmas in Spain. Then went to Eintracht Frankfurt, won the German Cup, and now he's at Sassuolo tearing it up. He might win the Cup by Italia this season or something, or who knows? He might bring them into the Champions League. All right, guys. It's been a long weekend. It's been a long week. Since we did the last podcast, we have been at eight games. It's ridiculous. We don't stop, but that's it. We will talk to you. Are, are we doing a midweek pod? I don't know. We'll Maybe. have to work that one out. Dov might do something because he's he's been sleeping on us lately, but yeah, right. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, Nick, say goodbye. Bye. Actually, don't say goodbye right. yet. Because I forgot to tell the people that if they want to read all of our stuff, watch all of our videos, hear all of our podcasts, and just see everything, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. You can get us on Twitter at Serie and Instagram and Facebook at ForzaItalianFootball. The Instagram is good, especially on the weekends, because we're just uploading a load of stuff from the stadiums, and it is flames. You need to get on that. It's amazing. Nick, get involved on the Instagram, please, mate. Um,
3: yeah, I will, but, I definitely will. I'm all over it. The definitely. stories and everything, it's great. Oh,
0: it's, great. it's all about the stories and the little polls. Um, mm. but yeah, guys, give us your interaction over there too because we're trying to grow our Instagram account because that is by far the smallest of our social media presences. Thank you, everyone, for keeping us going in the comments as ever. Aaron, you've been great. CM Fox. You were fighting with people early on, but you seem to have disappeared sadly. Abdul, thanks for your question on Atalanta. Any time you want to ask about Atalanta, get it in, because I have no problem talking about them. I think we're done for the season. Eric, come back next week and ask us about that bar question, and we'll we'll get to it, because we left you waiting this week. But uh, yeah, Nick, actually say goodbye this time.
3: Oh, bye everyone. Um, Good to chat, as always. Um, four weeks for Douglas Costa was ridiculous Just wanted to say that
0: We're not doing that now Do yeah, another video on that, that I disagree with you so wanted... we, can actually, we can actually Discuss it wanted... another Ooh, time We can debate uh, Yeah because I disagree with you quite strongly uh, Let's have a debating video uh, Yeah we could do Vito say goodbye okay.
2: Goodbye everyone keep listening And uh, listen to us again next week Alright guys um, Thank you very much We love you all and
0: until next week, there's nothing for me to say other than
1: Ciao for
3: now. Ciao Mi Ciao
0: Ciao E oggi come allora, difendo la città.
2: Non chiedermi perché,
1: di tempo nel passato, e siamo ancora qua. E oggi,
2: come allora, difendo la città.